When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And with it being midweek, we are back in Champions League mode as all four Premier League sides look to get their European business in order before the end of 2021. And on today's podcast, we'll be reviewing the two games from last night, Manchester United and Chelsea both clinching their places in the last 16 And then in part two, we'll be previewing tonight's games as already qualified Liverpool play host to Porto and Manchester City gear up for a massive night against PSG. Right then, my name's Fergal Brennan and as always, it's Wednesday and we have everybody's midweek favourites. Mr Ian Brannan. Ian, how's things? Well, yes, uh, all the compliments of the midweek to you. Here comes the midweek. This is uh, the peak of the week, of course. And um, yeah, good to be here. Battening down the hatches for the storm at the weekend. And I'm not just talking about the weather. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Uh, midweek midweek salutations uh, to you, Ian. And alongside Ian, we have somebody maybe a little bit nervous, maybe a little bit getting ready for a big game, as I mentioned, for Manchester City tonight. We have Man City fan Matt Pidd. Matt, how are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I'm not too nervous, to be honest. Um, I'm quite confident tonight. I think it's going to be a decent game of football. And it's always nice to come on the podcast and have City to talk about. Great stuff indeed. Right, well, before we get to City and Liverpool and tonight's games, we're going to be reviewing from last night. So, Carrick at the wheel. They were singing on the Spanish East Coast as United sealed their spot in the last 16. (laughs) 2-0 win away at Villarreal. Um, To be honest, I'm going to grab your opinion on this, Matt, before we actually get stuck into the United game. Ian and I were chatting about this before we started recording. Ollie at the wheel didn't work. Carrick Mm. at the wheel, whatever it is they're driving, you'd park it, wouldn't you? (laughs) <laughs> well, last night, um, an hour before kickoff, obviously the teams, the, uh, the teams came out, and it looked like a po- really positive team selection from Carrick. Um, he made a big call, dropping Bruno Fernandez, but right, the right call because he's been absolutely poor recently, hasn't he? He's one of United's better players, we know that, but 
if you're not performing in the side, then you need to be dropped regardless of who you are and what your name is. And obviously Carrick's seen that, recognised that. He coaches them. He, he sees what goes on on the pitch and on the training pitch. And obviously he's not doing something right. Um, Van der Beek, finally, you know, getting his chance to shine. He um, came on at the weekend against Watford and made an immediate impact. I like Van der Beek as a player. He's intelligent. He seems to get in the box at the right time. He's exactly what United need in these in these kind of games against Villarreal. And... Um, they seem to be um, a level of tactics and organisation with United last night, which we've not seen for you know the last last say like maybe five or six games. They actually seem to have some sort of like idea of what they were doing. They knew that they couldn't afford to get beat last night, so they basically just set up to not get beat, and obviously it did the job last night. Um, obviously De Gea had to make make a couple of decent saves to keep them out, but you know players were doing the jobs, especially Fred. I was looking at Fred last night and he seemed to be actually doing what he's there to do. You break up the play. We all know that he's not the best, you know, on the ball. He's not the best technically, but he's good at, you know, ruffling feathers. He's good at getting stuck in. He's good at anticipating where the ball is. He's, he's getting in front of players before the pass gets to them. And he seemed to be doing that last night. Um, Sancho looked like the Sancho that he actually spent the money on. You know, he got his first goal. It was a great finish, by the way. And, you know, it's... For a player like Jaden Sancho, I've seen him obviously come through City's academy and he had all this promise and he goes to Dortmund and absolutely smashes it over there, getting double figures in goals and assists for them. But you know he's he's come to United and it's been a bit of a bit of a shock for him. Probably the changing system hasn't helped. Dortmund are very, you know, um, attack minded. They like to they like to press. There's, it's very high intensity. Whereas United, it was it's a lot more like sort of different. It's a lot more emphasis on um, sort of shape. But he seemed to do a good job last night. Um, Villarreal. Didn't help by gifting United the lead, you know, but what a great finish and great anticipation by Ronaldo, who last night scored his 799th career goal for club and country last night. That's Those those numbers are absolutely ridiculous. Like He's getting up to like Pele sort of like status in terms of scoring goals. And for me, he's definitely like the greatest of all time in terms of putting the ball in, net, in the net in the modern era. So yeah, um, job done by United and Carrick last night. You know, give him a pen, give him a contract. Carrick's at the wheel, man. United are back. Sorry, is that too soon? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a ringing that's a, that's a ringing uh, appraisal from you, Matt, for Carrick to get a ten year contract at Old Trafford. Um, I would say though, in terms of Pele, I think Pele was counting some. Please give uh, it. Just just hand it over to him. I think I think Pele did count a few of the goals that he scored in the garden against his kids. So that they're always a little bit unreliable on uh, on Wikipedia. Um, Ian, looking at this in terms of the result, in terms of the game, the, the, there's two sides of the argument in terms of the the tail of the tape for, from last night. There's the pros and there's the cons. So we're going to take a look at the pros from a United perspective. Box ticked in a pretty under-pressure situation for Carrick, obviously, coming in, short notice, the situation with Solskjaer, he's on this caretaker, interim, temporary situation, however United want to phrase it. But they're through. They're through to the last 16. It was 2-0. It was a relatively fortunate goal for Ronaldo to, to break the deadlock. And then Jadon Sancho wraps it up. They can now focus on the Premier League until January. The final group game against Young Boys is a, is a dead rubber. They're out of the Carabao Cup. The FA Cup doesn't start until, until January. So they can just completely focus on that. So there are some positives. It was dull. But as Matt says, there was some evidence of a plan. This idea of get to 60, 65 minutes, we're away from home against a good team, keep it solid, don't concede a goal, and then bring on Fernandez and Rashford. It wasn't the most exciting, but there was some semblance of a plan being put in place by Carrick. Well, there, there was, but I, I do think that if ever there was a match where the result papered over the, the cracks, then this is a great example because you know, if you watch the highlights of this match, 
Man United could have been 5-0 down by half-time. David De Gea bailed him out big time. Let's not shy away from that. Cristiano Ronaldo's smash-and-grab goal was um, an error by the goalkeeper throwing the ball out and Fred, for the first time in his life, actually made a tackle and got the ball and passed it to Cristiano Ronaldo, who just tapped it into an open goal. It was an error on on the um, Villarreal goalkeeper's part. It wasn't through immense the immense skill of, of Cristiano Ronaldo. And and then their second goal was also a you know comedy of errors really that really I think the away side will will look back on and and think they should have done a lot better with. And when you look at the chances that Villarreal had, as I say, they, they had a hat full of chances, at least four or five in the first half, more in the second half. This match should have been out of sight for them, and they they will be um, quite cross with themselves over that performance. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But yes, once again, Man United somehow managed to roll that performance in glitter and uh, and, and they marched through to the, the last 16. But for the third time this season, Cristiano Ronaldo gets a goal in the final 15 minutes of a game in the Champions League and, uh, and, get, and gets them through. They have had a bit of luck in the Champions League that they haven't had in the Premier League. I think. And you could argue that if they had a bit more luck in the Premier League, they wouldn't be where they were. Um, conversely, if they hadn't had the strokes of luck like they had last night, would they be where they are in the Champions League now? It could be a completely different story were it not for those you know, performances in the last 15 minutes from Cristiano Ronaldo in particular. You know, I think that there are individual performances, bits of strokes of luck that have changed the game uh, in a positive way for, for Manchester United, which really have kind of saved them in this competition um but i i, I don't think um, they they did they did look to have more of a plan than they have had but you know that's not saying much they were all over the shop at, at points in this game <laughs> so there's you know um i think if you are a man city fan yes you'll be there with that contract for michael carrick right now because to me it's more of the same yeah, that uh, that meme of Rio Ferdinand is, is just doing absolutely massive numbers on Twitter. The one where he says about Solskjaer getting the contract, get him, give him the contract, give him a pen. And I think you just kind of think, listen, stop asking Rio Ferdinand what he thinks about the Manchester United manager situation. Matt, before we move on to Chelsea, I do just want to touch on one more thing from United last night. Four changes from that defeat at Watford, which ultimately cost Solskjaer his job. Alex Tellez comes into the back four, Donny van der Beek into midfield and Anthony Martial and Jadon Sancho starting in attack. Carrick changed his system throughout the game. He started with just one holding player, then he moved to two, then he looked to change his attacking lineup, all kind of geared towards getting through VRL, finding a way to get a goal and get a breakthrough. And one of the big decisions that you mentioned was dropping Bruno Fernandes. Yes, he did come on, he made an impact, and, and so did Marcus Rashford. Fernandes is a huge player for Manchester United, but he's not been hitting the heights that we've seen from previous seasons so far in this campaign. How much of the Fernandez decision was a tactical move and how much of it was a, a statement of sorts from Carrick to say, even Bruno Fernandez is not safe from being dropped. I'm in charge, whether I'm in charge for another week or I'm in charge until the end of the season. I'm the boss now and I'll be making the calls, whether you're Fernandez or whoever. Well, yeah, I mentioned at the start there, um, Carrick showing real cojones by doing that. Um it's a, it's a, it's a big call because obviously like I said about you know Fernandez he's been one of United's um, like best players since he came in and he's he's, he's up there with um, one of the best in Europe when he's on his on his game he's he is he's, he's he's absolutely quality but there was a number of players that you could have dropped from that Watford performance honestly you could you could have dropped the whole starting you know the starting eleven really in terms of performance wise but obviously you couldn't do that 
Um, Alex Tellers came in, came in. He he played really. He was quite solid. He he played well. Um, there was there was no real like sort of standout performers. It was just more of a, a job done thing from United last night. But when you've got a player like Van der Beek sat on the bench week in week out, and you can see the quality he has when he actually comes off off the bench and produces it, why not start him? You know, and Carrick made a, a perfect choice last night in starting him fr- from the off. He really he needed that. He needed that for for Van der Beek's confidence. Um, it was it was it was just a good good tactical decision from him. Um, United have been sort of mocked for playing the McFred um, combination in midfield, but like I said, there was just a, there just seemed to be a bit of a, a, a difference last night. I don't know what it is. Maybe Solskjaer sat there like pulling his hair out watching it because you know why didn't they do that for him in in places? But like Ian mentioned, you know United got very lucky. It was a papering over the cracks kind of performance, but ultimately they've done something that they've not done in quite a few games they've won and they've kept a clean sheet which is the perfect start for Carrick um, I don't expect Carrick to get obviously that was I was obviously just like you know taking the mickey a little bit there with what I said at the end of the uh, first time I spoke about United but it's a good start for Carrick and it's 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 good experience for him because it's a major um, game in the Champions League they had to win last night it was must win you know the, the vultures were circling kind of thing if they would have lost that last night you know then you know United fans probably going to meltdown obviously they've, they've experienced getting hammered by Liverpool getting hammered by City getting hammered by Watford you know in the, uh, in the last three league games so they really needed that last night just for a morale point of view and you know Fernandez, he'll Obviously, he'll be gutted he got dropped last night, but maybe he needed that as a bit of a reality check because what I see with Fernandez is a lot of moaning when he's on the pitch. He throws his toys out the pram far too much. He's he's not. He doesn't seem like a leader at the moment. Maybe in the future he can be because he's still got time on his side. But he just needs to get that little bit of petulance out of his out of his attitude when things aren't going his way. Stop waving your arms around. Stop pointing at people. Dig yourself out. And take a look at yourself in the mirror. And hopefully after last night, you know after getting dropped, maybe he will be sat there thinking now, like you know, I'm I'm not exempt from getting dropped. I am just as disposable in this squad as everyone else so maybe I need to sort of like pull my finger out start putting the performances in and um, you know it's coming up to a busy Christmas period now um, United have got Chelsea next in the league huge game and uh, speaking from a standpoint of the title race I hope they do us a favour that might be wishful thinking, depending on how uh, how heavily Carrick is uh, is weighing on his shoulders based on last night. Right, we're going to flick across to Chelsea, Ian. Last time against Juventus, a little bit of a stumble, obviously coming on the back of losing to Manchester City in the Premier League. That was Chelsea's hairiest period in the in the season so far. But Champions League place is already secured. They're through to the knockouts. Really, really comfortable for them last night at home to Juventus, four nil, leading in every stats, possession, shot, shots on target. Really dominant, ruthless performance, and almost a. Premier League performance in the Champions League from them. We've mentioned obviously there that I said the first time round in Turin, little bit kind of not really able to click into gear. There's been a few difficult moments for them in Europe this season, but they picked up their Champions League form. Sorry, picked up their Premier League form and dropped it into the Champions League against Juventus last night. Yeah, it is consistency from from Chelsea. It was uh, Thomas Tuchel's 50th match in charge of Chelsea last night and uh, what a performance to mark that occasion. And the thing with Chelsea is, and the thing that binds them, is their defence. They're just absolutely formidable. They're, they're not giving anything away. They've conceded just 24 goals across, uh, across that time that uh, Thomas Tuchel's been in charge. And, um, you know, a, a incredible stats, really. We consider that Chelsea were a bit leaky when, uh, when, when Frank Lampard 
Lampard was in charge, and that's the one thing he sorted out. He's he's kind of come in and he's he's done the big Sam job uh, with a bit of uh, with a, with a, with a bit of German efficiency. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's all good. Um, and, 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 and also and on the goal scorers as well. They're not just relying on on one player because. Um, what does Michael Carrick have in common with that match last night between Chelsea and Juventus? There's a question for you. What does he have in common? Ooh, um, um, Ian, it's far too early in the morning to be throwing cryptic questions at me like that. No, go on, go on, Ian, give it to us. <laughs> There's only been three occasions in Champions League history where there have been three different English goalscorers. The first time was in 1998 with uh, Beckham, Cole, Neville... And Skulls, uh, all on the uh, score sheet that day. Uh, Man United versus Roma in 2007. Smith, Rooney and Carrick. And then last night, of course, last night with uh, Chalabar, James and hudson Adoy. So it's, uh, it's a long time since it last happened. Three ah, English goal yeah. scorers on the, uh, on the sheets uh, in, in a Champions League match. But Chelsea achieved it last night. So great on that front. And, you know, great that they've, they've got more than one route to goal. And uh, the route to their goal is, uh, is well defended. And, you know, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? Score more than the opposition, you're going to win. Ian, obviously, uh, sorry, Matt, obviously Ian's pointing out this thing that they're trivia kings, they're stat kings uh, in terms of goal scorers, that it's spread right the way through the team. And that is one of the interesting things. The last couple of months they've had Timo Werner out injured. He came off the bench and scored last night, but generally he's missed a lot of football so far this season. Romelu Lukaku has sat in the stands. He's only just back fit. When you look at the performances that they're putting in, they're still in the Cups. They're through to the last 16 of the Champions League. They're top of the Premier League, absolutely dominant. In terms of squad depth, where do you place them? When you look at Manchester City and you look at Liverpool, they have dropped some silly points this season. They're kind of struggling in certain areas of the pitch when they've got key injuries. Chelsea have lost Lukaku and Werner for a big stretch of the campaign so far. They're not suffering in terms of scoring goals and they're not suffering in terms of points. In terms of squad depth, are they edging out Liverpool and City as it stands? Um, Obviously, the stats suggest so, don't they? Um, Chelsea have just been really, really efficient this season. Uh, Ian was mentioning there about the way Tuchel has him set up. He's, he's come in and he's just got them playing his three at the back with the wing-backs, um, coming in and helping with the um, the offensive side of things. And it's working perfectly for them. Um, one player I really want to just like, eulogise about last night um, was Rhys James. Rhys James looked absolutely awesome last night. He's definitely up there at the moment with the best full-backs in the league, up there with Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo at the moment. Um, he's dangerous from set pieces. He's dangerous going forward forward and you know he's, there was a couple of occasions last night where Chesney had to bail Juventus out and then obviously he scored his goal which was typical of him um, coming down the right and just firing the ball across the goal and beating him with like sheer power um, he, he does he looks really 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 good and he looks like he's going to be one really for Chelsea's long term future um, and Tuchel must be absolutely buzzing with that because you see you see what he does at Chelsea. He just gets the best out of his players. He seems like just a really good like sort of man manager, but also from a tactical standpoint as well. He knows how to set up against teams. Yes, like last night was not the most important game for Juventus. They'd already qualified, um, but Chelsea last night had a point to prove and going smashing teams like Juventus, who have got quality players like Chiesa and stuff like that in in that side, like four 0 you know, that's a big statement of intent from Chelsea. And like you said, they're still in the comp- competition, cup competitions. They're at the top of the Premier League, um, albeit by, by three points. But 
it, they're still there and they're, they're picking up points consistently um, they're not conceding many goals and they're scoring goals so that's always a recipe for success and Tuchel's already shown since he's came in for Lampard that he's, he's more than capable of doing it on the biggest stage of them all so you know Chelsea fans must be absolutely buzzing with the way they are at the moment I've, I've like Tuchel um, I, I went and watched the game um, he was managing for Borussia Dortmund against Frankfurt um, a few seasons ago and you could see the way he has his team set ups then and he's took that he's took that from Dortmund to PSG obviously things didn't work out the real, really the way he wanted to at PSG but it's a bit more of a sort of a different sort of setting at PSG there's a lot more pressure riding on it there's a, there's a lot more sort of like egos to deal with he's come to Chelsea with these young players that are coming in who are probably w- willing to listen to him a little bit more and willing to learn off him a little bit more and willing to do what he wants to do a little bit more and he's showing on the pitch the, you can tell these Chelsea players will go out there and they will do absolutely anything that he wants because he's got them on his side and he's got them enjoying football and they're, they're a joy to watch at the moment, Chelsea, and it's, they're definitely going to be up there at the end of the season come May and they'll probably in the last stages of the competitions as well. This is what I wanted to touch on, Ian, before we grab a quick break. Chelsea are the defending European champions, but they're not necessarily in the conversation to win it this season, which is bizarre given how good they've been, the fact that they're holding on to the European title, they're leading the way in England so far. And I'm just looking at the odds here as it stands. They're fifth uh, in terms of going on to win it and defend their title. Man City, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, PSG are all in front of them. Thomas Tuchel will probably be pleased with that because he doesn't want to have to deal with that extra layer of pressure but why is it is it just a kind of perception situation or is it genuinely that maybe they're still a little bit behind those teams in terms of going on to win the Champions League I don't know well there's absolutely no reason why they can't win the Champions League Uh, you know as you say looking at all the stats Premier League or Champions League they're right up there so why can't they win it and I think that's only probably a bit of Perhaps snobbery from people who, who um, you know, from from pundits like us who <laughs> probably just have overlooked them. Um, but the, you know, look at the facts. There's absolutely <laughs> so you're the reason. Well, yeah, me personally, that's the reason. I just stand in their way. Uh, but you know, that's just how it is. Um, but no, they there is no reason why if they carry on playing like they're playing that they can't do it. The only thing is in the stats, if you're going to look at that, is the the amount of goals they score now they scored quite a few last night which but that's probably a little bit of a blip you know they're they're very tight at the back but they've been you know getting one or two up front and so perhaps if there's anything they're maybe not having as quite as many shots or uh, or attacks um, resulting in a shot as some of the other teams but that doesn't mean that they're not going to score more goals because obviously you can have loads of shots and if loads of them go in the stand then so what so it's, it's accuracy, isn't it, when it comes down to that? Uh, I don't have a stat on exactly how accurate the each are, and I'll do a full PowerPoint presentation next week. But, um, but yeah, that, that's the only thing, that maybe they're, they're not, they're not <laughs> shooting quite as much as perhaps some of the other, what you might want to call, favourites. But those other favourites are shooting, but they're not scoring. So it's, uh, yeah, there's no reason why they yes, can't. City, City are definitely one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to mention it, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, um, yeah, there's, I think Chelsea in the right place. I don't think you want to be a favourite, though. I think that is the best place to go quietly under the radar and that's what Tuchel's done before with with other teams he's been in charge of you know PSG and so on didn't really fancy them in 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 the competition but it gets down to this stage now last 16 and you get through there to the you know your semi-finals and so on and you know you, then you are in with a chance 
aren't you? If you get down to the last four or the last eight, you, you, you can't say that they haven't got a chance of winning the competition. Of course they have, because it's you know over a couple of legs then and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that they are maybe, yes, dark horses, but they're not. They, sh- they should be considered in with a chance. Of course they should. Yeah, great stuff. I think whichever way you look at it, Chelsea are going to be in that favourites conversation in 2022. Just looking around some of the other games from last night in terms of the qualification picture, Bayern Munich are already through. We knew that before last night. They're going to finish top of Group E. Barcelona 0-0 against Benfica means that they need a result in the final match day. Manchester United, obviously, with Carrick at the wheel, are already qualified. Villarreal will need a result in their final game up against Atalanta. In Group G, the qualification picture is still not settled. Lille currently leading the way as it is, but either themselves, Red Bull Salzburg, Sevilla or Wolfsburg can all still qualify. And then in Group H, Chelsea and Juventus are through and it is done and dusted. Right, we're going to grab a quick break here on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we're going to be previewing tonight's games. Huge one at the Etihad as Manchester City play host to Paris Saint-Germain and Liverpool, who are in that block of teams that are already through to the last 16, play host to Porto. We'll be back in just a second. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And we're looking ahead to tonight's Champions League action. And it is a big one. It is a humdinger at the Etihad. Manchester City up against PSG. Matt, obviously, as our resident City fan on today, we're going to go to you first on this. Straightforward at the weekend against Everton. 3-0 win, but this is a different ball game. PSG, an absolute galaxy of stars they're going to be bringing to the Etihad. And... That performance and that result away in Paris so far this season has probably gone down as the big one that sticks with City fans. Really impressive performance, but ultimately Lionel Messi picked the worst possible time, if you're a Manchester City fan, to grab the ball and score his first goal for uh, for PSG. So I just want to get your take on this ahead of the game. Chances are City will get enough points together to get through to the last 16. But in terms of laying down a bit of a marker and a bit of a statement... If City win tonight, that kind of sends a bit of a message to the Chelsea's, to the Liverpool's, to the Bayern Munich's that they are also in this favourites conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, El Cachico part two. Um, PSG, City, both having like decent wins over the weekend. Um, Messi actually scored his first league goal for Paris against Nantes over the weekend. So yeah, he's um, looking like he's on form going into this game, which is like, the worst possible timing. Um, don't think clubs have got the... Um, Many injuries. I think Donnarumma possibly out with an illness. He's been out with an illness recently. Uh, they've got no Rafinha or Draxler, neither. Um, City, obviously no Kevin De Bruyne, who's self-isolating after COVID. Um, but Grealish could come back in. He's got a point to prove if he uh, makes an appearance tonight because he had a bit of a bit of a torrid time in the reverse fixture. Even though City played, you know, well on the night, we got beat. He, he seemed to um, to have it like the most tough out of everyone. Um, but City could seal qualification tonight. Obviously, we only need a point, but you know, against a side that have as many quality players and as many stars as Paris, you know, they'll have to be at the best for the full ninety minutes. Um, City will rotate from the weekend. I think Mares 
Jesus and uh, Diaz all come in for Sterling, Stones and Palmer after he was rested on Sunday. Um, I think Jesus' work rate and quality up top is key in these kind of games and, you know, that'll be tight in most places. Um, like you said, City do have a chance to lay down a marker tonight. I don't think it's going to be that kind of game. I think it's going to be quite cagey because obviously Paris, you know, they have just as much to play for as we do. We, we're both looking at, you know, trying to seal qualification as, as early as, as possible. Um They'll have a lot of confidence going in from beating us in the um, the first initial game. Even no City wasted like a, a load of chances and probably had the better of, of the the ninety minutes. But they've just got these players that they can just do it. They don't even have to play. This is the scary thing about Paris. They don't even have to be playing well on the night to hurt you. They've got players like Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, you know, and they've got players like Verratti in midfield who can really like just keep things ticking over break down the play put in decent tackles he's one of my favourite plays Verratti to watch everyone goes on about PSG and watches these stars that the, the flair and the goals and whatever but when you watch Verratti for me he's up there with the best in the world with what he actually does he's, he's only obviously he's a, he's a small lad but he's he's big in stature on the pitch he's a giant on the pitch when it comes to to knocking that ball around and putting the tackles in Um, but saying that Rodri at the moment for me is another one that's been an absolute revelation this season he looks like a I've said this before on the um on the podcast, I think I said it after the Bruges game, it looks like uh, Busquets 2.0 kind of thing. He's doing nothing wrong at the moment. And obviously with that screamer that he scored against Everton in the weekend, he'll be full of confidence. Um, Cancelo looking like one of the most dangerous fullbacks in the world at the moment. He can do absolutely anything at any place on the pitch. He can play balls with the outside of his right foot. He can underlap, overlap. He can do absolutely anything. Um, PSG will have that in mind tonight. Um, obviously the only thing is no De Bruyne, but saying that he's not really been at his best this season but he doesn't really need to be to affect a game like this so Paris will be obviously glad that he's not in the side um, Mares against them in the um, the semi-final last season and yeah in both games was, was awesome so he'll come in tonight and with um, obviously it's the crowd's back tonight at the Etihad watching this game they would have missed that last season so I think it'll be, a, it'll be a decent game of football for the neutral to watch tonight I'll probably have no nails left by the 80th minute or so but Hopefully City tonight can just put in a decent performance and I don't care how many goals it's by. Even if we get a point tonight and we, we, we qualify, then I will take that now. I will take a point tonight now, if you're asking me. Um, but a, a, a nice, decent win would would um, obviously be the better of the two. But yeah, it's um, it's going to definitely be an interesting one for the neutral to watch and um, I'm actually quite jealous that I can't enjoy it like everyone else can. <laughs> Ian, one of the big jump-out stats from, from the game in Paris was the amount of shots that City had. They had 14 shots in total, seven on targets and seven off target. PSG only had six and scored two goals. Is that maybe the big message for, for Guardiola and the players before the game tonight that you have to start taking these chances against a team like PSG. They've got Messi, they've got Mbappe, they've got Neymar. Yes, City will always create chances against anybody, but there's no room for error in a game like this, whereas there might be against certain teams in the Premier League. Yeah, but I think if you can't get up for a match like playing against the best um, players in the world in, in PSG, then you know you need to just jack it in. I think, conversely, Man City... Um, have the second highest number of goals in the Champions League group stages this season. So they've been flying. They've, they've, they've scored um, 15 goals. Only Bayern Munich have scored one more than that. And um, so you, you think that there's going to be goals in it. XG, expected goals, that's what the kids are all down with these days. Uh, 
Three, 3.4 expected goals in this match for, uh, for, for Man City. 3.4. So uh, there should, <laughs> should be goals in it, especially with the, who's on the pitch. I mean, look at the front three for expected front three, at least, for, uh, for PSG and in Messi and Mbappe and, and Neymar. I mean, blimey. But, you know, it is going to be an exciting one for the neutral. I've, I, I've been, you know, we've all had these matches that, that I think that, are uh, you know uh, tantalising to the neutral, but you don't want to be involved in them yourself, and and they absolutely drain you. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to to, to to watching it later on. It's going to be a, a fantastic match. That, as as we've touched on, the Kevin De Bruyne thing is quite a big thing because I know he's not been in his, his most sparkling of form, but he has actually been quite often the man who's made the difference. Even if he hasn't been the one on the on the team sheet, you know, he's he sort of orchestrates the play a little bit for, uh, for not just a little bit, quite a lot for. For, for Man City, so whoever they choose in his place, you know Gundogan or Silva or or whoever is going to fill that spot, they're going to have to work a bit harder probably tonight than than maybe the ordinary would ordinarily would have to. But uh, yeah, I tell you what, if you want to make some money on the uh, on the old bookies, then you know stick stick a quid on a nil nil. But I think that will be the worst bet you could have all day because I think there's going to be lots of goals. Uh, looking at the other game for tonight, Matt, Liverpool, it's already wrapped up for them in Group B. They've qualified, they've secured top spot, maximum points, 12 points, four wins in the Champions League. They're absolutely flying in terms of Europe. In the Premier League, they've dismantled Arsenal last weekend, 4-0 win. Jurgen Klopp is expected to rotate. He's not going to make wholesale changes. But given the fact that, similarly to Manchester United, they can now just tunnel vision, focus on the Premier League between now and, and the end of the calendar year... Who do you see coming in tonight? He will obviously look to rotate, but not massively weaken his team. He won't play a full second string. Who is in a position now to say to Klopp, listen, there's a busy run of games coming between now and the end of the year, and I want to be a part of that? Um, I think you're talking about Uriguez, um, Minamino, um, and there's a young lad called Tyler Martin, who he seems to fancy. You know, he brought him on against Arsenal at the weekend. Obviously, he was 4-0 up at the time, but um, I heard um, that he's got um, quite a lot of uh, sort of faith in him as a youngster so I expect him to play tonight it'll be a good experience for him to play obviously in the Champions League Anfield under the lights um, but listen Porto have still got a lot to play for they've got Atletico breathing down the necks and AC Milan are still within a chance if they the results go their way so I expect tonight I expect tonight just to to be one of these games where these youngsters are going to get a base, they're going to get a bit of a torrid time because we know what Porto can be like. City have been up against them in the group stages before and they can kick you and they can make things really, really difficult for you. So it should be an experience for any of these players that come in tonight that haven't really had sort of this kind of um, sort of game against a team like Porto. Um, like I said, Porto have got a lot to play for. Liverpool got nothing to play for. They're already qualified. You know, their focus is mainly on the Premier League. They can afford to rest all their um, the best players. Um, so yeah it wouldn't surprise me tonight if Porto actually went there and got a win it really wouldn't because they've got everything riding on it tonight Atletico have got AC Milan AC Milan are bottom of the group on one point but if like I said if results go their way they can actually um, they can actually sneak in big name AC Milan and to see them bottom of a Champions League group is um, is a shame but it is um, testament to the actual strength of that group in general you know it's not all the, all of the, all of those teams have Re- decent Champions League pedigree we know Porto have won it AC Milan have won it multiple times Atletico have been to multiple finals and Liverpool have won it a few times so that's a, it's a, it was a tough group that anyway and um, if if Porto can actually get out of that group they'll be absolutely buzzing and they're, they're, they're a team that not many teams will want to play against from a physical standpoint 
Uh, before we wrap it up, let's go over some predictions. Ian, we'll go to you first. PSG, Manchester City in Manchester and Liverpool, dead rubber, as we've mentioned, at home to Porto. Give us your call on these ones tonight. Uh, well, uh, well, I've said uh, Man City have got expected goals of 3.4, so I'll back them to, to live up to that. Let's say 3-2 three, three, against um, against PSG in a, in, a, in a goal fest, the one that you're going to be wanting to watch on the highlights later on tonight. Uh, meanwhile, 1-1 one, one between Liverpool and Porto, the one that's going to be on last and sort of edited down to just five minutes. Um, yeah, that's how I see it playing out. Hey, I might be wrong. Usually am. <laughs> Matt, obviously a win for City puts them into the last 16. Liverpool, you know, we mentioned they're already through. How do you see these going down? I see it going City to PSG 1. And I see it being Liverpool nil Porto 1. Ooh, controversial call. But to be honest, Matt... But I see I... it actually that Man, Man City 3-0 up with 75 minutes left and those two goals for PSG come in the final 10 minutes and, and, uh, and Matt's having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on your predictions, whichever way it goes down, we're going to be having all four Premier League teams through to the last 16 with that all-important game to spare. Here on Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily, we're going to call it a day. As always... Matt, Ian, thanks so much for your time. Nice Thank one, you. guys. Cheers. Great stuff indeed. Um, and obviously, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're a regular listener, or if you're a new listener, if you click subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new podcast every single day. Here at FSD, we are your daily Premier League podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's show, and we'll catch you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.